Welcome back to Leaders of Color, a podcast by Leading in Color. I'm your host, Sarisha Iyer, and on today's episode, we are joined by Jessica Vinluen and Chand Bungle from Redefine 20. Jessica is the founder of Redefine 20 from Hamilton, Ontario. She's a second-generation Canadian Filipina and a graduate from Brock University with, a, with an honors Bachelor of Arts degree and a Bachelor of Education. She believes in the power of sharing stories, community, and centering education in compassion and the desire to learn and grow. She enjoys reading, painting, traveling, and rock climbing. Through her personal and professional roles, she strives to express her dedication to education, equity, community, and inclusion throughout her career. Chand is the content creator and events coordinator. She is from Brampton, Ontario, and a recent graduate from Brock University with an honors Bachelor of Arts and Education. She met Jessica in the final year of their program and joined the Redefine 20 team in January 2019, and on June 30th, 2019, facilitated a paint and plant event focused on racialized women and mental health and well-being. In October to November 2019, she worked alongside Covenant and Community Toronto to collect donations and create care packages for at-risk youth in Toronto. She is passionate about issues concerning education, feminism, immigration, and Indian women, such as colorism, femicide, and misogyny. Welcome to the podcast, both of you. Hi. We're very excited to have you here. So have you guys been up to anything in quarantine or are you guys out more, I guess, in your area? Is it a little bit more free? What have you guys been up to? I'll go first. Um, I'm Chan, by the way. Um, But basically, quarantine time has been very strange for me, but sort of kind of grounding just because prior to this, I was working a lot. I was working three jobs and then doing um, Redefine 20 work. I had other stuff going on on at the side. So when, um, actually the day when schools got shut down, that's like when all my work got shut down. So it all happened really quickly. And I was just like, really, I really just went from being this really busy person to being like, just like having nothing to do. So I've just been taking the time to really, I love spending time with my family. My family and I are really close. So um, just, I've been liking, I've been liking staying at home. I like spending time with my family. Um, this also is the first summer that I haven't worked. I can mm-hmm. be a family of workaholics. So the fact that I'm not working right now is kind of just, um, it's kind of like, like I'm kind of dazed. Like I feel like I should be doing something and staying productive, but I'm also just t- taking the time to, reground and just like recenter myself and just really focus uh on those around me and just focus on myself and then yeah that's what I've been doing yeah it's from Jessica um I also can really relate to Chan um quarantine has been a very strange um time for me I think as well like this is also the first summer that I've not like I haven't been working um Mm -hmm. and we're both teachers Mm -hmm. so I mean this is kind of and we just recently graduated so Mm. that time to really again like what Chan said like ground ourselves I think is really um important uh doing the work especially with Redefine 20 I feel like we started Redefine 20 uh in teachers college and during that first year, we were also working. So even now we have more time to just like sit, organize, um, and refocus, I think is a huge thing for me personally. Mm -hmm. Quarantine has been very, um, eye opening in a lot of different ways. Um, I think I've been able to reflect more and really set boundaries for myself to really focus on what 
um, is important to me. Um, so thinking about friends, family, I haven't really gone out. <laughs> so I'm also very much like a homebody as well, um, which has been really nice to be mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Redefine 20, what it is you guys are doing um, and, and the audience that you have and the programs that you're offering. So our audience or our demographic is typically youth. We um, offer different kinds of services. So when we started Redefine 20, um, we didn't really, because we care a lot about, we care a lot about different issues. So it was very, not hard, but it was very difficult to hone in on what kind of organization we wanted to be. What did we want our mission statement to be? Um, what kind of, how were we going to make ourselves different from different organizations? And I think due to our education background, our first and foremost priority was how can we as an organization be as informative as possible about different social justice issues? And so that's why we really like our, the like the three pillars of our organizations is to celebrate, educate, and connect. So we try to implement services that sort of hit maybe overlap that overlap with those three pillars, but usually the work that we kind of do sort of connects to one of those pillars. So one of the services that we provide is that we'd like to provide a lot of like informative content that can be accessible uh, on our social media and our website. We also offer different workshops, um, different events, different fundraisers. Like I said, like we cover a lot of different things. So our events usually pertain to different issues. Um, we had an event alongside Sasha, I think in 2018 or like May of 2019 about sexual harassment in the workplace. We had Covenant and Community, which was a fundraiser for the Covenant House. Um, we had paint and plant. We had a paint and plant uh, event which was for to raise awareness about mental health aware uh, mental health awareness. So we do provide a lot of different services. It's basically basically our d- services are really just um, created or they're just really implemented based on what our community needs and what our community wants to learn more about. And then that's when we go as a team and we start brainstorming and start coming up with ideas to cater for our community. So it's m- mostly based on um specifically just right now too with the pandemic going on and everything happening with black lives matter and just different issues coming up and like just different activisms are just really like the spotlight is on them so our services do kind of shift based on what's going on around our world but basically our services are just just to educate and support and provide resources for our community to learn about different topics and different issues yeah and adding on to that i think that What's really important in terms of um, Redefine 20 is working alongside individuals and organizations that are doing the groundwork, Mm -hmm. I think is like a really important piece um, and hoping to build more sustainable communities focused on compassion, humility, and the desire to learn, Mm -hmm. unlearn, and grow, I think is um, a huge piece there um, as well, especially like unlearning. Um, Chan and I are again, are both educators and thinking about Redefine 20 in the beginning um, and the reasons why it kind of started was from my own personal experiences, both in like academic, professional, personal. Um, Growing up, I was in very white dominated spaces and didn't really have the language or tools to really um, express how I felt in those spaces. Um, And now looking at where Redefine 20 is and having those kinds of 
resources and tools and working alongside other communities and individuals that are doing the groundwork um, and really continuing to critically analyze um, that as well, I think is really important. Um, so that's, yeah, kind of how I guess Redefine 20 started. It's, if no one really knows, it's a collective committed to educating and empowering youth and women and non-binary individuals who identify as Black, Indigenous, persons of color. Um, so that's kind of where, where our focus is. That's awesome. I really like the commitment to unlearning as well. I know that's something for me personally I've had to do a lot of, but also something that we at Leading in Color try to to educate folks on is how to do that unlearning and in, mm-hmm. in terms of different forms of advocacy and different issues that might come up. You mentioned that you have a team around you, and I know there's two of you on here today, but do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your team, who they are, how many of you there are, and the folks that are doing this work behind the scenes? So we're a team of five. So um, Jess is the founder, and then I'm a content creator and the event coordinator. And then we have Puneet Sekhan, who is our head editor and writer. So she was the one who um, handled and organized the Studio Magazine, which is on hold right now. Um, we also have Sydney Hussett, who is our health and wellness coordinator, and then Safra Peters, who is our illustrations and graphic designer. So um, they have an entire, um, they all their information is accessible on redefine20.com. So if anybody listening is interested in learning more about what they do. Um, maybe Jessica, I'll start with you. What motivated you to start this work as the founder? And then maybe Chan can speak to a little bit about why it, it resonated with you as well. Yeah, um, just going back to what I was saying before, um, again, in these uh, white dominated spaces, um, from both my academic, professional, personal roles in my community. I started sharing my experiences probably back in 2017 online as like a blog. Um, And again, thinking back then, I didn't have the conversations before um, or the tools or the language um, to express how I was feeling. And then I had a few people actually reach out and say that they had similar experiences. So for example, um, one story that I shared as a Filipina growing up Um, in a white dominated space in elementary school, I brought um, a very, you know, Filipina uh, lunch to school that my mom had made for me. And um, it was a new school. And I didn't really have a lot of like close friends at the time. And um, I took out my lunch. And I had a few of my peers you know, make comments and say like, ew, what is that? What does that smell? Like, can you please like put that away? And immediately I like threw out my lunch. I like went home. I, you know, told, I was like crying to my mom. I was probably in grade six. And um, I told, I tried to convince her to buy me Lunchables. That was what all the other kids were eating in the class. And mm-hmm. you know, my mom at the time was working three jobs. Um, she, you know, at that time didn't have the time to go out, but, you know, saw that I was very upset about it. And then we went to the grocery store and um, thinking about it now, like trying to understand even how my mom was feeling at that time. Um And then I went to school and I had a Lunchable and I was like so excited to like come out at lunch. And then, you know, no one said anything. And I was kind of like, you know, now, now I feel like I belong in the classroom. And that, and thinking about that, um, 
specific moment is something that I was sharing on the blog and I had a few other people that reached out and said that I had similar experiences and I felt really alone um, thinking that it was just me. So then that's kind of how it started with Redefine 20 because I was like, your story is also very valid and you should be able to share it if you feel comfortable. Um, and that's just how Redefine 20 started. So in that case, that pers- those people that did reach out were like, I'd like to share my story. I don't know where I can put this story on. Um, and I was like, here's a platform and let's start sharing um, and why we feel these w- this way and um, creating that sense of uh, community around that. And then um, I had met Jess while Redefine 20 was still a blog. And then it was she was slowly transitioning it to be sort of more like a nonprofit. So we had met in teacher's college. And I think a very vivid memory for the both of us was in our equity class. Um, basically, we were all in a circle and our instructor went uh, like told us to go around and introduce ourselves and maybe bring up something the, in relation uh, in relation to equity or something about our identity and I remember just going around and she she was like one of the first people in the circle so she went and introduced herself and she was like um she brought up her upbringing about being a Filipina in Hamilton and growing uh, growing up around a very white dominated community but she also uh, all talked about her upbringing um with her both of her parents being immigrants and immediately like I have a similar experience like both of my parents are also immigrants so immediately she brought like we already had similarities with just like our identities and our childhood and just like um just with identity I guess and then when she brought up that food story um it made me think of my own story so I used to move around a lot just because our parents were constantly moving but um it's like I brought it up and she was just like, I can't believe we did that. But basically my mom made me Indian paronte, which are basically stuffed rotis. And like, it's stuffed with, um, like it can be stuffed with anything like potatoes from cauliflower to, um, like anything. So basically I brought that to school. I was always the new kid too. So I was always like bullied for being the new kid, but me coming to school with like my Indian food like I got made fun of it and then the next day like I didn't even tell my mom because I was scared of my parents so I just came with like the four dollars that I had or like I don't even know if I had money but basically came to school and got one of like the lunches provided by the school and it was so nasty it was literally like white bread like not even like not toasted and just like chickpea this chick piece. oh it was so gross I can't believe like I swapped out my Indian food for it but it was just because I was succumbing to that kind of pressure to fit in but immediately when we shared our stories and had like this overlap of our upbringings and we had so much in common and we had so much mm-hmm. to share and so much to talk about it was really interesting just to talk to someone and be like like I can't believe we went through this like I can't believe we went through it as a kid and then but then we were also able to have critical discussions about it and be like why like, why did this happen? What would have happened differently if there was someone in our life that was actually a role model to us? Or what if there was actual awareness about um, dual identity of being a child of an immigrant and trying to function within Canadian society? So, like, we would constantly engage in these critical discussions in, in teacher's college. And then she had asked me to join um, Redefine 20 that same December, I believe. And then ever since then, we were, we were a team of two for a for a while and we were basically doing everything but um we were just trying to hone in on hone in on like what did we want to do what kind of change did we want to implement how were we going to make an implant uh an impact so then 
eventually like we held workshops events and now here we are with a team of five so um so it's really amazing to see where we are but it really just did start off with um for me personally just started off with critically engaging with Jess and then I realized like I get you and you get me and it was just like how do we help people and how do we sort of prevent any of our some uh, of our experiences ever happening to children and youth from ever happening like we can't protect everyone but it was just like how do we inform people how do we create a better society how do we unlearn our biases and our prejudices um and all of that so yeah and I also think too like bringing some context into that space um our equity teacher that was the first like male person of color that I had as a teacher and that was something that you know I kind of for a second was like wait a second I've had all white teachers from elementary school to high school to university and that was my last year in teachers college and especially even thinking of the room as well, that room itself was very white dominated. Mm-hmm. So there was probably three of us in that class that were um, non-white. <laughs> so even having those, you know, challenging conversations and critical conversation with our peers, knowing that, you know, they're also uh, teachers, um, was a huge, I think, another reason why we wanted to create these education, educational resources um, and tools that teachers can also use as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because the conversations that we were having, um, the barriers and challenges that we've had in the classroom, um, specifically in that uh, in that class, um, was a huge, like, was really big in terms of, like, our conversations, and again, what Chan was saying, the critical conversations that we were having, and the, again, asking the why, the unlearning piece, um, and then also focusing on the fact that, like, we're also model minorities in this, right, so um, also thinking about um, another critical piece that I'm also, you know, have been looking at and focusing on is the fact that, like, we were discussing things like, okay, like there needs to be more, um, you know, anti-racist, anti-biased um, professional developments that should be mandatory. But then going back and thinking like, well, it shouldn't just be a workshop. It shouldn't just be like, oh, here's one, you know, um, class that you're taking and all of a sudden, you know, you can check that off and it, you're not um, racist or biased anymore. Um, so thinking about really that piece of unlearning that is part of like the Redefine 20 and especially working alongside community members and individuals that are doing the groundwork, I think is a really, um, important piece. There's a lot to unpack there. I think, um, both about focusing on sort of the anti-racism work that's being done and through an equity lens when you're doing this sort of work, but also the fact that you two have shared kind of two stories around food and around uh, culture and food and discrimination that I think so often people kind of ignore as like, okay, this is a microaggression and that's kind of it. But that there's so much to do with like our cultural experiences as racialized people and food. Mm-hmm. And that's something I recently learned, like this idea of food being something that heals, food being something that we share, food being something that celebratory. And so when an incident like the ones you're describing happens, 
it it kind of changes that relationship a little bit because of the effectively the trauma that you experience right Mm -hmm. and I also can relate to that for sure I think I I don't know what year it was I think it was like grade three or grade four or something a similar thing happened to me except that I was in a very I was in school in Brampton at the time and I was in a very multicultural school but nevertheless, like the same experience happened. And after that, I never took lunch to school. Like to this day, I still don't take lunch to work. It's really like, it's bizarre. <laughs> but that it can have such an impact, right? So I think it's it's great that you two are able to kind of bond over that, share and, and have, a, have something like Redefine 20 come out of that. In keeping with kind of the theme of, of hardships, I guess, what are some of the challenges that you have faced doing this work? It's difficult, I know, when you're racialized folks, racialized youth in particular, just getting something off the ground to begin with. But as you're trying to do work that is catered towards racialized communities, things get even harder. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. So how have you dealt with any challenges that have come up? And do you have any tips for others on how to deal with those challenges if they're facing the similar ones? Yeah, so one challenge we definitely face as a small and local enterprise is definitely funding. Our organization is completely run by volunteers. So I think one of our biggest or largest um, priorities at Redefine 20 is to be as equitable and sustainable as possible. So one of our goals is to implement equitable compensation for our collab- for our collaborators and volunteers because our entire team is all volunteers. So definitely we would like to provide some compensation for people who do collaborate with us or um, who do volunteer with us or do create whatever content that they do. But we also would want to allocate the funds to host more events, workshops, and socials, um, which ideally we would like which ideally we would want to be free for youth because we don't we want our events to be as accessible as possible so definitely funding has sort of been um a hardship for us um we have potential plans to help our youth in our community but however to hold on to hold those events we need funds to hold them so definitely we are in we are researching and we are constantly finding ways to fund to find funding but um it's still a challenge i think for anybody who wants to start a nonprofit or who wants to start a social enterprise totally do not be deterred by funding like we didn't even think about funding i like when we when i joined the team like funding wasn't really in our heads like it wasn't the top, at the top of our list but i definitely if you want to do this kind of work and that you want to get involved and you want to sort of bring action and you want to start a nonprofit. I don't don't let funds deter you like do your research obviously but um just stay patient and stay motivated to your goal and to your the work that you do because no one can put a price tag on the work that you do like um we we're about to be a year old or two years old and we still are doing the work that we are doing so I definitely um even though it is a hardship it definitely will not it's not going to stop the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like this idea that even when things are inaccessible to us, we find other ways mm-hmm. to get things moving and to get things going because we're so passionate about this work, but also because for so many of us, it's about survival and, mm-hmm. and making sure that our communities are heard and that we're creating space for our communities and that we won't let funding, for example, be the thing that stands in the way. Of- yes, there is value to your work. And yes, you need to survive. And yes, you need money to feed yourself but if you are in a place where 
um, like Jessica and I just happen to be very privileged and um, know that we have like it's not a necessity to work to survive like some people unfortunately don't have the same resources or like the same support that we have but um, I definitely would encourage anyone to do because I, we don't do this work to get money like it definitely mm-hmm. it's not a job for us like we're fortunate to have access to different job opportunities and all that but we definitely don't do the work for the money we do the work for the work so it definitely will fuel a really genuine kind of motivation within you to do this kind of work I think it's really like I, I can't think of a particular um, success story or a specific moment that sticks out but I think it's the individual's um, or in organizations that we've met along the way and the conversations we've had um, thinking about where we were even a year ago and like where we are now and thinking of the team and how you know there's five of us and all of our community members like it's like I'm so I'm so proud and I'm just like so thankful for the team it's just so incredible to be able to um look at this and also to celebrate and share other individuals and organizations that are doing the work in our community. Um, I guess like one particular moment was a, was one time I was um, at a coffee shop and, and someone came up to me and was like, Hey, Hey, are you part of the redefine 20 team? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, how can I get involved or how can I share my story? And then we ended up having coffee together and just, talking and discussing and it it felt like we could have talked forever um so I think that was like a really you know awesome moment that stuck out and and probably also our our most recent uh one year event um just being in that room and and just you know celebrating um you know our, our team members celebrating um our community you know being in a space where um we can uh, meet other people, I think, as well um, in the community was really awesome. So, yeah. I think for me, it was just like being the event coordinator um, was the covenant and community like result. So when I was planning and organizing the event, um, basically the event consisted of collecting donations for three different kits. So um, the first kit was hygiene, hygiene. So it had like toothpaste, toothbrush, deodorant, soap, that kind of stuff. And then there was a mental health kit and that had like a journal, headphones, pen, and a stress ball. And then a cough and cold kit, which had like lozenges, napkins, and I think hand sanitizer. So um, it, it was like our first major, major fundraiser event so I didn't really have any expectations for it it was sort of just like go with the flow kind of event like like, let's see how many donations we have we booked a space um to set up the kits and like um organize the kits and everything and at the end of the night we made 300 kits which I was so shocked because it literally surpassed everything like my goal was maybe 100 to 150 But the fact that we had three long tables, just like rows and rows and rows of kits, like I was shocked and so thankful for everyone because um, there was donations being collected from Toronto, Brampton, Mississauga, Hamilton, and um, just based on that impact and just based on everybody's generosity to donate, we were able to donate nearly 300 kits to the Covenant House and they were asking for something way smaller than that they were asking for 125 and then I just showed up with my little HRV with 300 kits 
and they were just like, okay, this is great. So it definitely was like a huge, like, I can't wait to do that event. Uh, I can't wait to do that event again, because it definitely like the impact was so large. Like I, it was just, it was just like, when you see something in front of you, you're just like, wow, this is real. So, mm -hmm. um, it was such a great experience for me. Like I was really happy with that event and the turnout of it because our plans for covenant and community is to change the organization every year so it's going to be a different organization that we're going to be making kits for so it may be a women's shelter it may be um an ind indigenous based organization so definitely keep an eye out for that fundraiser on our instagram because we will be co collecting donations um roughly around early to mid-september all the way up to, up until the event date so um if there are like just look out for it on redefine 20 because there will be a similar donation fundraiser like covenant and community in november and what are some of the opportunities available for young people to get involved in the work that you're doing we have some free workshop series that's coming up um for reaching for power in redefine 20 so we partnered up with ywca hamilton's reaching for power program and i was part of the program at the end of the series which is basically uh specifically for women and non-binary Black, Indigenous, and persons of color. Um, so in this workshop, we were able to create, um, focus on um, creating spaces um, to take uh, to take up power um, in these spaces of politics. Um, so then after the workshop, we were able to have uh, funded grants, and I teamed up with my friend Maddie and Kim, and we really liked the idea of the workshop series. Um, so we were thinking of something that was relevant and meaningful for us. So the workshop series now is focused on confronting racism and inaction in the workplace. Um, so the first one is specifically for BIPOC professionals, which is on August 4th. Um, and then the next one would be a series focused on um, allies in the workplace. And then the last one is um, empowering BIPOC to join a board of directors and what the skills are um, and what the roles and responsibilities are. Um, so that is kind of like where we are in terms of workshop series, as well as um, we're always looking to to grow the team. Um, really, the you know the team members that we have now reached out to us, and we're like, we would love to be part of it. Um, so I think in any way, especially being run um, by volunteers, uh, we really like to hone in on the specific um, you know passions or things that you want to focus on um, or you think maybe you know um, lacking in redefine 20 like we're very much open um, to hearing other people's uh, ideas and how they want to be a part of uh, this collective um, so we're always looking for people to join amazing and where can people check out your work on social media, find your website and or any opportunities to donate if they want to support, where can they do that? It's on uh, redefine20.com and then on social media, it's at redefine20. Um, right now, we also, if you are looking to donate, we have a postcard project where 100% of the proceeds are going to organizations that are focused on anti-racist, anti-bias work. And the postcards are created by our team members. So um, the first one we had was um, raising money for the Black Visions Collective. Um, and then now we have two different um, postcards. 
by our team members that will be donated to Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion and the YWCA Hamilton's Transitional Living Center. Um, so through that, uh, we also have our tote bags that are online as well. That was uh, made by one of our former uh, team members. It's a sustainable bag that um, is from the Hamilton um, by Whitley. Um, so it is uh, created by one of our team members and printed by a local print in Hamilton. We also have a Patreon set up so you, you can become a patron and donate a small fee um, monthly. So that's accessible. The link is accessible um, through the link in our bio at Redefine 20 on Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. It was lovely to hear about all the work you're doing with Redefine 20. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you guys and what comes up. Before I let you go, we have our final segment that we call How I Would End Racism. And it's meant to be a little bit of a comic relief for all the work that we do on a regular basis. So as young leaders of color, we are constantly actually trying to reduce the harm that racism causes both to ourselves and in our communities while we fight to end it in some capacity. But imagine if we could do so instantly. Pitch your funniest and most creative way that you would end racism. So would Thanos snap his fingers and all the racists just disappear? Or would like a hot air balloon come down and let us all escape from this? I don't know. (laughs) So mine is basically, it was an idea for Black Mirror because I'm a huge Black Mirror fan. So basically it would be like this episode or it could be real life. Basically it's just like this VR experience where you take on the identity of someone so as an Mm -hmm. example just because we're talking about social justice it could be someone like any kind of um experience in history where um oppression racism um has affected that one person who belongs to who has that identity but basically like for the black mirror episode it would have been like oh it would have started off like that person living their life and then taking off the vr and being like oh my god like gaining some perspective but definitely Mm -hmm. in real life it could be a a real vr experience a vr experience to gain perspective about the daily hardships of someone who belongs to a certain identity, but also um, it, the, like, the concept was sort of just like inspired by this museum in the US, which basically allows like guests to come and there's a desk with handprints on it. And then there's like a set of headphones and then you place your hands on the desk while listening to the audio of racist white people screaming horrific and racist stuff. And it was sort of to implement that experience of black individuals and activists experiencing um, peaceful sit-ins because it was, it transported Mm. that person back to the sixties and experiencing what kind of stuff that like the violence, the like people, would tug on hair and all that kind of stuff so it was like like one girl broke down crying and she like she was a white woman and she just couldn't stop sobbing because she was just like it just she just gained so much perspective from it interesting the black mirror thing kind of sounds like it would be a real episode yeah so, yeah, so black mirror <laughs> hears this and they like it trademark copyright please contact me <laughs> i yeah it was just like at a point where i was in love with black mirror and i was like huh i was like what if someone just like really just woke up one day and they just woke up to be an indian woman in the 1920s and then all of a sudden and you're like a white man and you just had to sort of just suck it up and really just endure sexism misogyny all within one day so and then you gain perspective so you know what's funny i think there's actually i i've watched all of this show though i do have beef with mindy kaling in general (laughs) but i did watch all the mindy project and she has an episode where this like 
white man plays her. So she basically wakes up as a white man yeah. um, and goes through her day-to-day life. Yeah. And it like is meant to show all the like the discrepancies. And yeah. for my taste, it was a little bit basic. I was like, yes, this I already know this stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's probably because I'm a brown woman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's definitely on trend. This sort of like walk a mile in my shoes definitely. concept. How about you, Jessica? Um, I think one thing that I would try to eliminate um is maybe creating like I mean this sounds I don't know like uh so out of like something that's not an episode in Black Mirror but like maybe like you know those I don't know if you guys remember that button in Staples and it's like and it's like that big red button yeah um I think (laughs) yeah I think there could be like maybe a button that you could click that would explain exactly what was wrong with that statement either it being a micro aggressive uh, statement or a racist statement because I think a lot of the times when you have um you know these conversations uh depending on the situation you you know don't want to um explain um the reasons why and I've had you know examples even in a professional setting as well um and this button will have like the reasons why so it's not like it would eliminate um specifically like the context of racism where you could just like snap a finger and then all of a sudden it's gone this way it's like it would be a button that actually like explains to the person so that person that's experiencing that doesn't have to explain why that was not okay um so yeah it'd be it'd be like a staples button where someone could click it and that button would explain exactly what was wrong and some uh resource and that person would have to listen like it's not like oh i'm not listening to what the button is saying it's like they they have to sit there and like listen to the situation yeah that makes <laughs> total sense to me <laughs> like a timeout and also a yeah. buzzer yeah. i'm, I'm down with that yeah <laughs> uh that's kind of similar to i think it was sid Pereira who from boys of the future who was on um a few episodes earlier who was like i'm gonna have the button that like simon cowell hits on x factor when they just like when he hates an act and he slams the buzzer and it knocks him off the tv basically oh um or the stage rather oh my god not off the tv um, but yeah so i am down with that as well awesome thank you guys again so much for joining us it was great to hear more about the work that you're doing and yeah i can't wait to see what redefine 20 comes up with next thank you so much for having us 